Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast, and our ongoing watch-along for Shishigi Yugi. My name is Rai Kaiser, I'm an editor and contributor at Anime Feminist, and with me as usual are Caitlin and Dee. Hi, I'm Caitlin. I'm a writer and contributor at Anime Feminist, as well as running I Have a Heroin Problem. Hi, I'm Dee. Um, I am a writer and editor for Anifem, and I'm also the owner of the friendly neighborhood anime blog, The Jose Next Door. Last time we ended the first season of Fushigi Yugi, and this week we went into episodes 28 through 34, which is the trial, uh, which is the search for the Shinzaho and the Genbu trial. Technically, it was seven episodes, but really it was more like five and a half because 28 is a recap episode and about half or two, a, th- a third of 29 is also flashbacks. Yeah, because Keisuke's got to catch up his buddy on what's going on in the book world. Mm-hmm. So Figure out library technology. <laughs> what am, computer? How do? <laughs> what, have you heard of the card catalog? <laughs> <laughs> It's so, um, and it's delightful. Now, uh, listeners from last week may remember that we went in chronological order, which we've been doing on and off. For this one, I wanted to take a slightly different tack and basically do a positive and negative style uh, division because I think once I start ranting about this run of episodes, it's not going to stop. It gets pretty bad. That's fair. So let's start with the good things. Uh, which include, well, good things. Let's start with some of the other characters. Uh, Miyaka and Tamahome's relationship starts to become codependent in a really terrible way this run of episodes. Yeah, I feel like it's not... we were going to talk about the good things first. Well, I feel like it's not so much good things as it is, like, things that are... How do I put this? Like, there's some things that are just bad, and we're going to have to talk about how they're just bad. Um, and, and so I think this, maybe this early part is more, um, the conversation we can have about, um, everything else that's going on in the story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, that's fair. So, uh, yeah, Miyaka and Tamahome, they get really, uh, insular and, and, and codependent this, this time around. And it's one of those things where like, it's definitely not healthy. Um, you can kind of understand why it happens in terms of, um, like Tamahome just, had his entire family murdered. Yes, he's going to cling very tightly to this person who's very important to him. Um, but it's not really addressed like that in the series. Mm-hmm. No, it's more like they're destined lovers who cannot touch each other. Oh. It's very sad. But it also gives but... them an excuse for for shitty groping slapstick again, which we oh. were. I thought we were over, and we're back to it, and it's annoying. Yeah. Well, for a, for a second, it seems like they're going to deal with it in a responsible way where, where Noriko is great and tells Tamahome that he can't just throw himself into certain death at every time because then guess what? You're dead and that's not going to help you or her. Like, this is not noble. Right. This is stupid. Yeah, Noriko gives good advice this mm-hmm. week. Noriko, like, like You're all the other characters... You're never going to get laid if you just get yourself killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tamahome's driving force is very much at this point like, we can't bang until we summon Suzaku. Let's do this as quickly as possible. Um, I think Miyaka echoes that to a point. Um, she's also very interested in, in a physical relationship with him mm-hmm. um, and has to kind of push <laughs> him away. But, like, I want to be in favor of this, like the fact that they're so mutually horny and not like Miyaka <laughs> is holding out and he is the gross pervy boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. 
but she secretly super wants it. Right. Oh god. Sorry, yeah. I've been reading. Yeah, it's not that at least. <laughs> I've read like three manga in a row where like the dude has sex with the girl like in her subconscious. What? Oh god. And it's like shown as sexy and not disgusting. Fushigi Yugi. It could have been worse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that our new tagline? <laughs> as of the as of this episode on, yes. <laughs> I mean, you will have an emotion. That's also still that I think it's that true. also still holds I, extremely true. I had a lot of emotions. Watching God, I, these, I, these stretch I've, of episodes. it's been a it's been a roller coaster week. Truthfully, like the show has the show has fucked me up a little bit this week. But um, yeah, I think I felt every emotion. <laughs> <laughs> that's accurate. Uh, but yeah, so. Yeah, that's Tomohome Miyaka. I feel like there's not a whole lot else there. Um, I think by virtue of them being more insular, it pushes a lot, almost the entire rest of the cast, like back into sort of like background art almost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They each kind of get to do like one sort of fun thing, and the, but it's, it's very minor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from the fact that Miyaka is um, focusing, she's our perspective character and she is focusing on Tamahome to the exclusion of everyone else with the exception of Noriko who is kind of and I'm going to say this and it's going to sound negative and I don't mean it negative Noriko's kind of inserting themselves into um, their uh, their interactions and I don't mean that in a bad way like I think it's mm-hmm. good that Noriko's like keeping an eye on them and making sure that they don't get so lost in each other's eyes that they forget everything else right. well Noriko's um, always been the, the common sense character right. like well mm-hmm. Once Noriko, like, got over being a catty, jealous girl, um, they've been the common sense character. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, this, this run of episodes finally realizes that Noriko is the cool older sibling who has always given good advice, and they only mm-hmm. recognize... <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. But it's, are we gonna okay. are we gonna pull back and get get to that later? Or? No, we can't. We cannot begin this now. <laughs> um, but okay. yeah, I, I did want to say that it's interesting because as these episodes go on, uh, you know, it can be more tempting to get frustrated with Miyaka as as character. But in at this moment, I'm frustrated with the writing more than at her because it mm-hmm. makes sense that she's 15 and. Of course, it's totally sensible for her to never want to see her family or her friends or everything culturally right. she's ever known. Yeah. But, but, well, but the, it's okay for her to throw to just completely throw away her life. But mm-hmm. the writing doesn't seems to think this is romantic and not deeply stupid. Mm-hmm. And this is like this is part of what got me so jaded about Fushigi Yugi for such a long time, is that Miyaka is so willing to throw away everything. Uh, for the sake of being with Tamahome. Mm-hmm. Um, like, girl, there's no that, indoor plumbing yeah. outside of the palace. <laughs> <laughs> what about hair dryers, Miyaka? What about hair dryers? Right? Like, there's um, so much, like, it It shouldn't be this easy of a decision. It shouldn't be a decision at all. Right. Like, well, and I, no. she, well, she makes it so quickly. Like, he asks her to marry him, and she's like, yeah, sure, let's do it. I'm Family? Friends? What? Uh, electricity? Well, and down. Well, and I'm uh, sorry. Who cares? Go ahead, D. Oh, I was just gonna say. I think it's. I think that's something that's 
because and I, I'm generally saying this like I don't 100% remember because I was not super invested in their relationship uh, the other times I watched the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really remember how this kind of gets handled going forward, but um, I'll be kind of curious to see if they don't pull back on that a little bit because the sense you get from these episodes is that it's very much a spur of the moment. Like Miyaka's like, well, of course I don't want to say goodbye to Tamahome, so yeah, I'll do this. And then like they get to they get to Toron, the the capital city of of Hokan, and. Um, she kind of has this moment where she remembers like, oh, snow, that's something we get in the winter. Oh, wait, I'm not going to get that anymore. And she seems a little upset about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, whether or not the show will like really go through with that or if it is a 15 year old like making this decision very much mm. in the spur of the moment or not is again, I, do, I genuinely don't remember how it how it uh, progresses. So I do remember. Oh, <laughs> OK. And, so and, like, imagine maybe how- not great. Imagine how cool it would have been if this, like, if it had decided to take this decision that is very believable for a 15-year-old in love and very isolated, and then and then reminded the audience that, oh, she's she's in a bubble because she's the weird she's priestess baby. from another world, but she's not just in another time. She's in another country with different gender roles and dish, different, like, you know, mentalities from birth onward and all of that cultural shit. Well, and also just the idea that, like... It's it's very I mean it's it's very common I think um, in stories for the for the woman to like give up everything to be with yeah. the guy she loves um, and oh yeah this that's is definitely not a, a good bog standard <laughs> and it doesn't tend to go the other way around either it's very rare for it to go the other way around yeah it's it's just not that it's healthy uh, yeah it's not really great either way um, I mean sometimes you do have to go like it to me it was kind of funny watching those episodes because I did sort of chuckle at the idea of mm-hmm. like oh, we're in a long-distance relationship and one of us has to move to the other person's town. Like, it's a very (laughs) fantastical version of that, but that is kind of the conversation they're having. Right. And it's tough, kids. They they are actually having to look at this in um, terms of, like, practical... Like, looking at the practicalities of, mm -hmm. like, the future of their relationship at this point. Um, So, I don't like the way they're handling it, but it is interesting that the story is willing to go there. Like, okay, hey, if we're really going to be together, how are we going to do that? Right. Um, And... Yui does turn around and say to Tamahome, you're just a character in a book. Yeah, Tamahome's identity crisis begins. Yeah, which freaks him out. And that is something that the story actually yeah. does uh, recognize, is the fact that the Suzaku warriors don't exist. They exist in our hearts, Caitlin. They, they, I know, they exist in, their, in our hearts. Um, but... You know, you can't just get married on the astral plane. (laughs) (laughs) Says who? (laughs) Certainly. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's a bit of weird old internet history right there. (laughs) (laughs) Good poll. Good poll. Look up Snape Um, Wives, everybody. (laughs) Oh, it didn't just start with Snape Wives. uh, uh, Final Fantasy House is another good one. Mm. Um, anyway, but, but like, so, you know, it, it sort of looks at like, do these characters, like, do these characters actually exist? Mm-hmm. And Tama, you know, and Yui is sort of using that as a defense mechanism of this doesn't really matter because you're not real. Mm-hmm. This is all just in a book. But at the same time, like, you know, it's still what's happening to them is happening to them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like 
the trauma that's happening to them is happening to them. The pain that's happening to them is happening to them. Even if they're in a book, it's really happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's honestly kind of an interesting philosophical discussion that we'll save for later because the series gets into it more. Oh, okay. Um, okay. In future episodes. But yeah, like this, yeah. these episodes are sort of the start of that. Um, that's that so yeah that's good because i didn't remember if it like brought this whole meta element up to do anything with it or if it was just another arbitrary relationship roadblock so that's good it's <laughs> yeah it's kind of both it's <laughs> both i'm like it can be both <laughs> Fishy Yugi. why not both <laughs> endless taglines we got we got the blu-ray box sets we're ready for you whoever wants to produce those we're on it uh, but come on disco tech <laughs> but on the subject of Yui, that, that's probably though. as good a time as any to talk a little bit about how it's going with with the series warriors this mm-hmm. run of episodes i feel oh. really bad for yui this time around um as okay so this was the point in the original when i was watching as a kid where i was just like done with yui i was like yui quit it stop mm-hmm. um like and which is i mean it's it's cruel but i was 13 and mm-hmm. so i was like i don't get why you're still so upset and like intent on defeating your your friend who mm-hmm. you clearly know didn't really do anything wrong um and this watch through i just i sympathize with her a lot because you get the sense from that conversation with tamahome that she feels like she has no other choice like she's trapped yeah she's and she's she just has to keep doing this thing return. yeah it's yeah like Nakago is beyond monstrous. This run of Nakago's episodes. The oh my god, he's terrible. I feel so bad for Ashitare. Um, <laughs> yeah, poor Ashitare is just like thrown away like garbage by this dude. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Soy. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, I'll start to feel real bad for Soy as we go. I, I did <laughs> want sure. to because you mentioned. I think Caitlin, you mentioned early on that part of the reason. Uh, Fushigi is an early reverse harem is editorial mandate. But the villain can be a lady. Like, a villain warrior can be a lady, though. Thanks, editors. Yeah. And- um... Well, and that could have been, I mean, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to assume, um, but that could have been a situation where the series was successful enough that Watase was able to uh, convince them to let her include some more female characters in the same way that Full Metal Alchemist didn't get to have female characters until a little bit later mm-hmm. um, because it was a success. And then they were like, okay, Arakawa, I guess we'll trust you. Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't know if that was one of those situations where it was like, I can include another woman. Sweet. Right. Uh, but yeah, there are, um, and I mean, you know, Noriko, well, we'll, we'll talk about Noriko. Right. Noriko's complicated. Um, but yeah. Yeah. No, no, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I, I will give that. To, okay. Like, Noriko, um, Miyaka and the Holy Sword is a genuinely cool scene. Like that's, God, that's yes. cool. I love that scene. Like, it's kind of sad that one Sari warrior takes out all of her warriors in one hit, but, um, Miyaka's response to that is of uh, she she this is another one of those arcs where she steps up in you almost wish it would happen more but she does step up kind of like in the key in mm-hmm. key moments mm-hmm. um she decides she's gonna fight and defend everyone and then gets yelled at like Tamahoma yells at her yeah. for saving his ass yeah you, um, and I get it I get uh, it you're worried but come on dude yeah um, you, you know she told cool. her she did a good job Noriko 
<laughs> True story. Um, in fact, all yeah. the other warriors were like into it, and Tamahoma was like, "I'm so scared." And I get it. Your entire family was murdered like three episodes ago. Mm -hmm. I get it. You're very, you're very yeah. uh, concerned, very traumatized. Yeah, um, and not really dealing with it, <laughs> um, which can't be. Yeah, good for he you. does not get enough time to really properly grieve. I mean, I don't know how long they were on that boat, but I'm still gonna maintain that he's not really. Uh, He's not really dealing with it. Right. Like, um, yeah. like, what is the proper grieving time frame for your entire family is dead? Probably more a than a month. Time. I'm going to say. Probably a very long time. Yeah. Um, but it also varies from person to person because everyone grieves differently. Mm -hmm. No, that's also very true. Uh, yeah, no, Miyaka with the sword is very cool. Um, and then uh, when she when she realizes that, like, like fighting the Genbu warriors is getting them absolutely nowhere... Um, and kind of steps forward and goes, look, what do you need me to do to prove to you that I can, that I, that I deserve this, that we need, that we can have this Shinzo. And they're like, well, we're going to freeze you solid and see what happens. And she's like, let's do it. <laughs> um, like give, you know, you kind of give Miyaka credit for, um, for being, uh, determined, spunky. I guess. And spunky. Yeah. She's feisty. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I, so I'll give that to her, but she also gets punished for it a lot. Mm -hmm. Not so much in this stretch of episodes, I don't think. I think in this stretch, yeah, she, not in this stretch of episodes. She she is cool and and she's kind of a, and they get you know they they get the Shinzo mm -hmm. because she's willing to kind of risk herself, and um, yeah, and well, fight for it. The the episode preview shows that next well, episode. Yeah, if you watch the episode preview, City. that might so. not make a good. Yeah, well, we'll get there eventually. Um, <laughs> we'll get what are you talking we'll about? There, there were no. no more episodes. This is the end of the series. <laughs> <laughs> that would be such okay. a bummer ending for the series, though. It was a bummer um, for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a bummer for all it of was, us. Yeah, um, but I liked. Yeah, I liked the the stuff with the Gembu Warriors is fun. If you, I, I do recommend people read Gembu Kaiden because it's it's a market improvement on the original, and you get to hang out with Hikitsu and Tomide some more, and they're good boys. Yeah, yeah they're they good, boys. good boys. Please, please take this opportunity to go into a little into Gembu Kaiden if you like, because as somebody who hasn't read it, this. This section is fine, like, from a metaphorical perspective. I, I get what it's doing about, like, the bond between Miyaka and her warriors and how they serve that. But I didn't, mm -hmm. like, care about these dudes at all. No. And no, you're not, they don't nobody come across really did. Well. Mm -hmm. they, um, they don't come across well in um, this episode. They're pretty, like, one-dimensional. Like, first they're like, rawr, angry ghost's gonna kill you. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, okay, here's your Shinzaho. Um, but... In the uh, Genbu Kaiden manga, they're um, much more thoroughly um, rounded characters. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, I just want to jump in that episode 34 made really great use of the inappropriately peppy theme song. Yes. That fake out is one of my favorite gags. Um, <laughs> just ever. And you can uh, only do it once. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think most of the people listening to this are probably watching it too, but on the off chance you aren't, you aren't. Um, there's, there's, they get the Shinzaho and the comes in mm -hmm. and Miyaka's like yeah we can summon Suzaku and the music starts building and then uh one of the one of the Genbu guys is like uh just so you know you need a second Shinzaho to to make that work and the music just smash cuts off and they're all like wait what it's, it's a good it's joke really good like I, I, it's a it's a very good gag and then tamahome just breaks <laughs> yeah he he literally just shatters and it's good because like Tamahome has become one of those characters that I understand what he's going through objectively, but I'm done with him <laughs> right now. Yeah. Like, I'm too busy. I like Miyaka too much. I think I ever have. I like he's way down the bottom 
tier of of having time for his logical shenanigans. Right now, he's he's a character that I objectively I understand everything he does and where he's at emotionally. Like I get it, he's grieving and he's scared to lose Miyaka, and that's causing him to lash out because he's a dumb teen and be and be reckless and be like short tempered and very focused on the goal. But as the narrative goes, um, I'm much more invested right now in why Miyaka's upset and everything to do with Noriko, and it's pushed him far down to the point where like. I don't know that I have sympathy to spare for you right now. Well, and I don't think they, again, I don't think they're doing a particularly good job job of kind of reminding the audience of what he's been through recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's a matter of just, of just the narrative, just not just kind of assuming, Oh, well, you know, and we don't need to keep mentioning it. Or if the narrative genuinely is like, he's over it. Cause he's not clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that makes it harder to, to get invested in what's going on with Tamahome and that his response right. to it is kind of like, well, now I'm just going to devote my entire life to Miyaka. Because and... she's the only family he has left. Yeah. And it's totally and his understandable. His life has always been all about his family. Yeah. And so it's, it's very understandable from the perspective of like, uh, you know, the character's you know, kind of backstory and, and what's been going on with him. But again, I don't know if the series is doing a particularly good job of uh, kind of making that more explicit and mm-hmm. also pointing out that it's not a particularly healthy thing for him to be doing right now. Right. Um, it's 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 a it's kind of a short term coping mechanism that that you would hope he would be able to kind of move past and um, and you know not dedicate his entire uh, existence to to this one person. Yeah. So. Like e- even when Noriko gives him good advice about being more mm-hmm. responsible, it's couched in shitty gender essentialism. Like yeah. you need to be more of a man, or someone will take her from you. Yeah. yeah god that's the gender essentialism is, is much worse in the uh in the manga even How? there's a whole arc there's a whole <laughs> arc right that does not make it into the uh anime wisely wisely i well, would say um, it, it briefly makes it into the oavs as a gag it does um which is about all the time we want to we want to deal with it um it's uh so there's an arc before they get to Hokan where their ship crashes and they end up on like the island of the Amazon women and the no men are of women. Yeah. And no men are allowed. So they all have to dress up as they all have to disguise themselves as women. Um, and it's a lot of like har har man and address jokes. And then there's a lot of like, um, the women are all pretty evil. Like they just, they just treat the men as like breeding studs or slaves and they just pluck out their eyes and it's, it's, it's pretty rough. Um, yeah. They just chain them up and pluck out their eyes and it's death by snoo snoo. Basically. <laughs> I've, I've, yes. um, I blocked this out of my brain. Good for me. It's yeah. It's, it's the <laughs> manga. Uh, it's, it's not a, it's not a good arc. Um, and there's a lot of lines throughout it of like, like, Toskis refuses to fight these women who are trying to kill him because he will not fight women ever. Um, Tomahome has a line that is just stupid where it's like, I got away from him. Good thing men are good runners. What the fuck like, is that a is that a stereotype? I didn't even are you just making up stereotypes, Tomahome? <laughs> is that a thing? Yeah. I don't, well, uh, you know, women are slowed down by bad. their birth and hips, you know. Yes, that's true. Um, All those babies up in there, and they're and they're and they're swinging pendulous breasts. Uh, they get in the way. <laughs> get in the way. Um, it's, like, it's it's it. Yeah, they so get it's, distracted it's a very... by the feeling of their nipples against the fabric. 
<laughs> according according to to a lot of male novelists, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, you start thinking about that. down the stairs, and then it, that's your whole day. <laughs> yeah, and you can't you can't it chafes, and you can't deal with it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've had days like that. <laughs> Apparently, so do guys, though. I mean, guys also have nipples. Anime might tell you otherwise, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's a lot of shitty gender essentialism in this bit, and it kind of makes me sad because when I read comments from Watase, you definitely get the sense that she is frustrated by the gender norms of the time, mm-hmm. um, but does not know how to address or approach that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it comes out in, um, comments about like when they ask her, like, uh, in this 1995 interview I found, I think I shared this with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a comment where they ask her, like, if you were reincarnated, what would you want to be reincarnated as? And she says a good looking boy in a school uniform so I could pick up girls and I'd grow up to be a manga artist for boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, yeah, okay. There's clear, like, like, and she talks a lot about how she wanted to be a shonen, uh, uh, manga artist and and kind of was basically told no mm-hmm. um and right. so i it's which it's Rumiko Takahashi kind of sad had been working for years mm-hmm. she had but she was I, I i think she was very much an exception to the rule sure. i don't think a, there was much beyond that at that point there's there's a lot more female um like shonen and, and uh uh, oh my god i blank seinen um manga artist now mm-hmm. but i think that that was a lot less common back then i think Takahashi was was kind of an exception to the rule. Well, Watase's bullshit with gender kind of reminds me of of Poppy Z Bright, who is a, a trans male author of vampire novels, and like he mm. wrote these, he wrote some books in the '90s before he transitioned. That has a lot to do uh-huh. with like body horror and women who like pre- like the like a a rules for vampirism where like being pregnant will kill you 100% of the time and you can tell he's like working out his personal body dysphoria a lot through these novels but it ends up being like oh you wrote a novel where all of the women are completely unimportant objects who get raped and then die from pregnancy whoops Uh. yeah no i mean it doesn't it does not excuse the shitty things that that happen in in some of her stories and especially in some of her earlier stories um but it it does it strikes me as it's it's a it's an interesting layer to it and like internalized gender norms and and misogyny are a hell of a drug Mm -hmm. basically um and so like reading over some of her old interviews and she kind of like i hadn't really thought about it until this week but she she kind of like punishes femininity in an interesting way sometimes Mm -hmm. Um, she does not Um, not female characters necessarily but like feminine like 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 more traditional like feminine behaviors mm -hmm. um yeah, and this is why I said Fushigi Yuki is. You can see a lot of Watase's um, anxieties uh, reflected in the series. I think, um, you know, through stuff like yeah, like gen- gender norms and gender relations and sort of how those are handled. Um, you know, being forced into a rivalry with your best friend and it goes sour. Like, I wonder if she has had something like that happen in her Mm. life. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's Um, a lot with like the parents telling them like, Oh, you have to compete. You know, you're both going to the same school. Like this is how it works. Um, and the frustrations of that coming, coming Mm -hmm. out in the story. Uh, Like, I know that one of the things that can be appealing at least, I think better early on it about Shiyu is that emotional rawness of being frustrated at these things. But now mm-hmm. as the story starts to get into the part of the story where you expect it to do something with those things, I don't think she's processed these feelings she has in a way no. that can like make the story hit home as opposed no, to No, it's being, still oh. it's still 
kind of a it's still kind of that snapshot I mentioned last week as opposed to like actual commentary um, on on these things that are that are not great or, or frustrating or part of you know growing up as a teenager at that point in time right and it's very raw like <sighs> but and that's a strength and a weakness and right now it's more weakness than strength yeah and I think mm-hmm. I think the cost of that rawness at least for her is you've reinforced these things instead of taking your frustration yeah. and doing something about it. Yeah. Whether whether intentionally or no, and I think we'll we'll get into that more in the in the in the, the second half here when we kind of start talking about everything yeah. with Nariko. Um one okay, before I think we're probably about ready for that. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of other kind of more positive or just um more pleasant Case things. Case is a good boy. Keisuke is a good boy. He's Keisuke very concerned for his boy. sister mm-hmm. and just wants her out of that damn book. Yeah, um, well cuz he's worried that she's gonna get terribly hurt mm-hmm. um which the thing with the hair is probably one of the biggest ass pulls mm-hmm. i've ever seen it is like it, oh in the manga burn... it makes more sense because there's a ribbon involved like they knew about this connection yeah. but there's yeah but like it's like oh he happens to find a hair and when miyako wants to cut off that condition she just grabs some bangs and burns it and that takes care of it yep whereas i feel like he, like she would have to shave her head uh-huh. to fix that, <laughs> that would make more sense <laughs> which would be hilarious also also the introduction of this other asshole because keisuke needs somebody to talk to oh yeah tetsuya, oh, Tet- tetsuya his his tetsuya. friend who uh i cannot boy. see without getting that song stuck in my head um he wears his sunglasses at night you guys <laughs> Yeah, while driving. While driving. That, that will eventually really happen. Upset. And it's pretty great. <laughs> that made me really upset. It's safe. Happens. It's very safe. <laughs> but, um, Tetsuya's all right. Yeah. He doesn't really get to do much, but he's all right. Yeah, no, he just yeah. blatantly exists because we need somebody, like, the character can't, cannot exist in a vacuum and needs to dialogue about his worries, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, in this way, in this way, Keisuke can research while Tetsuya reads the book, mm-hmm. so they can be they can be multitasking, too. Yeah, um, all the stuff about... Um, the Genbu priestess. Who was apparently murdered by her father. Mm-hmm. Um, is, so we're told. So is that a th- like, is that a thing that gets retconned in Genbu Kaiden? Not retconned, no. but it gets addressed. It gets, yes. it, it's it's absolutely explained and it is part of the narrative. Yeah. Um, and I don't yeah. want to say and, anything more than that. The stuff that yeah. is said in the, in the, in the original Fushigi Yugi does not get retconned in Genbu Kaiden. Um, yeah. It just doesn't maybe happen the way you'd 100% expect. It handles it pretty well and Mm -hmm. like Genbu Kaiden is a much more polished narrative um, because you know it's god how many years later at least Um, 10 I'm maybe closer to 15 yeah but like Genbu Kaiden is interesting um, because you start reading it and you know what happens to Tokiko the main character Takiko um, Takiko, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know what happens to Takiko. Um, and you know that it's going to be just a, a really just awful, sad ending. Um, so you're sort of prepared for it, but you also don't know how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And um, it surprises you along the way. Like, it again, it doesn't happen exactly does. the way you expect. I, I recommend. I, I recommend yeah. it. I think it would be fun to do, like, a one-shot podcast, like, book club on it at some point um, once we're done with this. Yeah, if, if I could find a way um, to get hold of it, I'd do that. That would that would be the trick, is is getting you some copies of the volume, because I think Caitlin and I just have it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I checked it oh. out of the library. Oh, okay. Um, but they don't have all the volumes. But, yeah, well, I mean, we can check maybe if the readers are interested they can leave feedback and we'll think about check in with that like at a later date 
Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, maybe someday. Yeah. Is there? Oh, yeah. there. There is one more good thing that I wanted to give the episode props for. Um, in a show that is very much about, uh, at least this run of episodes is about stupid emotional decisions that lead you to do bad things. It does cap mm-hmm. off with a pretty good and mature having Mitsukaki. Mitsukake. Mitsukake. Have a pretty good speech about how grief is okay and it's hard, and if you don't deal with it right away, that's fine. And it's okay to, to grieve, but, and then, but then there is kind of that hard practicality of like, we, we don't, I wish we had time to just be sad for a while, but we, we don't, we have to keep going. Um, and so balancing that sense of like, yeah, it's, it's a hundred percent okay to be sad. Um, but, but, but we, but we can't be paralyzed going. basically. You have to kind of take that tiny step. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's um, like, I think the, the episodes leading up to, um, Mariko's death were a fucking trash fire yeah. gender dynamics and gender norms mm-hmm. and 90s ideas like 90s misconceptions of how gender and sexuality work mm-hmm. um, but I think that whole episode was really well done it's in I mean I mean even in the context of god this is this is this is really hard for me to talk about um yeah in the context of everything that comes before it it's it's hard to talk about it's it's hard to look at it and say like it it did things well but it's really affecting and I still think it's one of the better death scenes I've ever seen in anime in terms I of mean, I was hmm. I, I mean I was crying genuine tears me too like, and I've seen this like six times and I was yeah, still crying exactly um, like no matter how many times I watch it like it really it hurts it really does and it's it it's hurts. it's a it's one of those it's a very it's it's a noble death Nuri, it is it is Noriko is is loyal and fierce and and stubborn and you know and it's it's the kind of like kind of noble on the battlefield kind of death you see in in a lot of kind of epic stories um and it's it's a good send-off for them mm-hmm. i think and it is um and it it's it's devastating like everyone is right. devastated like there is a very real sense of loss and there's a very real sense of this is what's happening now mm-hmm. like we made we messed up and now things are so much more harder and scarier than they ever were and and just and and really just kind of on that raw immediate and, level of this was somebody we loved and they're gone yeah like, um and that so that sense of of Noriko as as a beloved member of the team and mm-hmm. god Toski noble beacon of light amidst oh, the honey. badlands of these oh, of these baby. 12 episodes oh. He's, um, he's good and I ship them so unironically now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like fuck. Um, that's a rare that's gonna be a rare pair right there. Like, but they're so good. <laughs> they're so good. And he's the only I, one who is like shitty but in a way that's clearly part of that give and take dynamic and just loves. Uh. I do yeah, yeah. Like, I don't I don't ship them, but I love their I love their relationship yeah. and their friendship. And again the the it's it's that it again it's that rawness which is which is not always necessarily a good thing but it is very affecting even now and it's it's difficult to divorce that that kind of gut punch emotional reaction i have to again what i think is what i think is an extremely well done uh death sequence with with these more um kind of emotional uh, not sorry more intellectual issues of like how much this arc gets wrong and fucks up <laughs> um yeah, so shall we get into it, I guess? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there, okay. yeah. There is one more, um, as more of a general note, uh, I, I've been, because like, I knew getting into, uh, this is the point where I stopped reading the manga, more or less, um, mm-hmm. partly because that was just what was available for the flipped volumes, but also because um, I was super upset as a kid that that Noriko yeah. died. Um, yeah. And um, yeah. so I didn't, I remembered vaguely uh, that they died, uh, and I remembered the dead sister shit. Um, mm-hmm. The, the mm-hmm. bullshit explanation, dead sister shit, and also that Noriko turned out to be in love with Miyaka, but I mm. didn't remember how bullshit it was, like, to the point where I wish I could, I, and I wish I could go back and add a retrospective, like, issue for, I think if somebody hasn't seen this before, um, like, like, trans people, I would almost warn them off of this entirely because it, it hurts so bad to love this character so much and then to have things end up this way. Like, it's so affecting, more so than you, the usual shitty representation, because you have all these episodes of such a great character, um, and to have it turn at the last moment and then kill them off, um, and and to specifically frame these issues of the characters were, like, other members of the team gave Noriko shit for, and then start giving them... Um, props for cool things they were doing all along like nothing changes except that Noriko starts oh, presenting yeah. more masculinely like that's oh, yeah. shitty oh I feel like I'm talking to a big brother right like that's it's not any different from how Noriko talked to you before just like now you're respecting them more because uh because they're presenting masculine right and and the other thing well mm-hmm. sort of they're so this is this is why the, the the pronouns are difficult with Noriko is because the the narrative kind of feels like it's writing it's it's kind of trying to erase that 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 sort of uh, gender uh, gender fluid trans queerness I'm not 100 percent sure what word we should use because again the narrative is a mess so it's it's hard to know exactly how to how to uh, talk about it but um, Noriko like um, appearance wise starts presenting more masculine, but continues to use uh, feminine speech patterns and continues to refer to themselves as Atashi throughout all of this. Mm. Um, during their fight with Ashitare, they slip into masculine speech patterns a little bit. Um, like they refer to Ashitare as Omae, um, which is a more kind of gruff way of saying you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sentence structure is so folks who don't know Japanese um, gender presentation is kind of built into a lot of the language, especially in terms of casual speech, um, like the, the particles you use, kind of the way you end your sentences, um, personal pronouns, especially that one's, that one's fairly well, more well known. Um, and that's kind of what I'm talking about here. Um, so Noriko's um, speech patterns when fighting Ashitare get more uh, kind of aggressive and kind of that masculine coded, um, mm-hmm. but they keep referring to themselves as Atashi throughout all of that. And then once the fight is over, they switch back to those more feminine speech patterns. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I've been, well, I've been watching the dub. Yeah. Um, because that is what I watched growing up. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what I have the most uh, emotional connection with, even though it is ridiculous a lot of the time. Um, and so, you know, Noriko is voiced by a woman and mm-hmm. English doesn't have as strongly gendered speech patterns. Mm-mm. Um, it does, but it's not as like, you know, immediately clearly, like clearly encoded. Um, but, um, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, who is lovely, um, and probably one of the better actors in this show, um, she like 
you know, she's she's got a lower voice already, um, and she dropped her voice uh, for this stretch of episodes. Huh. Mm. Yeah. Like, I mean, not, like, super, like, super noticeably, but, well, noticeably, but not, like, super obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of interesting. Yeah. I- um, it's kind of like how Tomahome turned into a uh, solid snake for a while <laughs> when he was evil. Nice. I, I I struggle with the, the you know, as I rewatch the series and remember kind of more of the details of Noriko's character, I've struggled with the pronouns because I think them is a good I is good for where where Noriko ended up uh, and what a better writer could do with their character mm-hmm. arc and, and this issue of, you know, you fainted you you went hard in this certain manner of presentation and would have ended up um, in in more of a fluid sort of center of the spectrum mm-hmm. kind of presentation mm-hmm. if they hadn't fucking killed them off. Um, but at the same time, part of me regrets not using she for the earlier stuff, especially mm-hmm. because other characters are um, take like take such pains to erase Noriko's chosen presentation, chosen set of pronouns, and they all there are also like clear indications that she wanted to become a cis woman, at least at, at, at when she was in certain headspaces. And I know, you know, it was connected to this issue of that's what will make me, you know, worthy to Hotohori. And there's like all sorts of things, but like we can't get into that too much because Noriko is a cool older sibling for Miyaka, our protagonist, and we're never in their head. And like, it, it's, it's difficult. And the fact that, the most interesting gender fluidity stuff for Noriko here at the end is tied up into I got over my tragedy and now I'm a man again. Yeah. And would have continued on that trend if I hadn't died because that's such a shitty stereotype that like trans people are broken. Yeah. It's that's, that's a shitty stereotype that comes up with, with most queer identities. Um, that this idea that there has to be some reason, some, some, some trauma in your backstory that makes you that way. Um, and it's, it's shitty. It's bad. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't have anything else to add to that. It sucks. And it's, it's, you know, there's this sort of very nineties conflation of, um, uh, gender and, uh, orientation. Bisexuals. Mm -hmm. How do they even fucking work? <laughs> what the bisexuals don't exist? No, well, I mean, arguably, Noriko uh, is bisexual. It's just that when Noriko when Noriko decides that they like somebody of a particular gender, they immediately switch their own gender, which is um, but anyway. not how it works for most people. Yeah, um, but like, um, so I've been reading Baby and Me, which is another '90s manga. Mm-hmm. Um. And there's a, a side character whose dad is very feminine presenting, mm-hmm. but uh, feminine presenting, but heterosexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like stays at home and cooks and cleans and does all of the traditionally feminine functions. But in this manga, he says, that he is not gay because he has the soul of a man and uh, gay people, uh, gay men have the souls of women. Mm-hmm. So, which Baby and Me, I think, is published around the same time as Fushigi Yugi. Like, yeah. It's very 90s. 
Um, so that's sort of illustrative of like, that's just sort of how they thought of it. And like, now we know that's completely wrong. That's horrible. And it doesn't excuse it. Um, but it's also like, it's a product of its time. Well, uh, yes and no, because like the, the mong, um, the anime immediately lost points with me when it pulled out the term new half, which I, I spent a lot of this series gritting my teeth through people calling uh, Nuriko and Okama because I mm-hmm. assumed that that was, that, um, new half was a more recent term. Um, it was the chosen term of the, uh, Japanese trans community until maybe five, 10 years ago. Uh, and mm-hmm. I thought that it was from the late 90s, but no, it's from the 70s or 80s. And if you pulled out this term for a single one-off gag, you fucking knew better. And you just, you you were just being shitty then on purpose. And I lost all of the benefit of the doubt that I had for, oh, I it's from the 90s. I wonder if the manga. I wonder if, like, that line was added in the anime. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know because I didn't. I haven't read the manga in Japanese. Yeah, me neither. Um, I know the term "new half" is not used in that scene in the um, in the manga, but I don't know if that was because they they chose to translate it um, in a different way or if it wasn't there at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, in the anime, they don't say "new half" either. In the anime, they say "cross dresser." Mm. Oh, in the in mm-hmm. the oh, in the dub. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, in the dub, I should say. Yeah. It's... Mm-hmm. It, it was it was just this moment of like it still sucks when stereotypes happen and it's just like oh you just have no idea of these people that you're othering for the sake of a shit joke but it's like oh mm-hmm. you did the bare minimum of research and then you chose to be a fucking asshole and then I was just really angry at it from that point on it's like it it feels like it feels like the structure of this arc is we need to dig a bunch into Noriko because they're gonna die. Um, so we need to get into all the backstory and all of the yeah. secret feelings that they were harboring. For- I don't necessarily hate that they they have feelings for Miyaka. I like them better as a friendship, but fine, whatever. I hate the way it was revealed and tied to Dorico's gender sp- so specifically. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it's, it's awful. It's played up a lot more in the anime, too. Like, that, that weird, shitty, like... Um, fantasy of them in the real world oh, like God. As, a, oh, yeah. as a as that like a cis weird. couple which is which is bad for a lot of reasons because one i think it's very like even even as poorly as Noriko is written i think that scene is untrue to the character that Watase was going for mm-hmm. in terms yeah. of in terms of um the the person Noriko ends up um being um but it's it's like this whole and it also plays up this element of like oh Noriko secretly really wanted to be Miyaka's um like romantic partner and in the anime you really don't get that sense like there's this sense of like yeah I love her but I want the two of you to be happy and I love all of yeah. you too like it's much more this sense of I found this community that I really care about and I'm 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 proud and comfortable with you guys mm-hmm. um yeah, as opposed to just oh, I'm part of Miyaka's harem. Right. <laughs> um, like oh, the tr- the true tragedy of Noriko's death is that they didn't get a chance to be a cis dude and be Miyaka's boyfriend. Like, yeah, they yeah. just did not get Which to is, make out with Miyaka. And I don't, I don't tragedy. know how to, and I don't know how to talk about this without like without spoiling stuff or making it sound like they collect the Dragon Balls and bring Noriko back to life. Which they're pretty, they're pretty explicit about like that's not how this universe works. Um, when people die, they die. Um, but we really haven't, we haven't. Seeing the end of Noriko exactly. Um, there's there's, I, I, there's a little bit more to Noriko's story in the OVAs. Um, yeah. It's, and which, that's, that's all I can say with it. Um, which I have a different set of 
herms with but we'll get to it um absolutely yeah and i i I don't god i feel like i feel like i'm like i'm like trying to brush aside your and your concerns and complaints and i'm not no i know i know a hundred percent right and there's there's a lot in this arc that um i i I can't excuse i would Mm -hmm. i don't want to even try to defend um but there's also a lot in noriko's um character that that resonates with me mm-hmm. and so it's yeah. it's it's really difficult for me to to toe that line of of the personal importance that some of what happens here was uh for me and and then the the more um broader uh harmful elements of it because it is it's hurtful and bad and there's no excusing that right well it, it and it I think it's fair to say that it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been so deeply personally painful for me if I didn't love Noriko like a lot. Like I want yeah. I want a mm-hmm. universe where their character is more respectfully handled and they get to like explore this issue of I felt compelled to I I first felt com- like even if we have to take the shitty dead sister stuff, like I think you could salvage something out of I felt compelled to present this way but then I decided that it but then I realized that I felt it, but now I'm expl- now I feel the need to swing the other way, but I don't have to do that either. And yeah, well, and I mean, I think it's it's an interesting conversation in terms of a character who's growing up in dynastic China, mm-hmm. where obviously there were there were trans people, but it wasn't like you could get online and find out about other trans people. Right. Um, so I think the idea of of a of a trans or gender fluid uh, character. Um, growing up in this society where the, the, the only way they really knew how to express that was, was through like a female figure in their lives who was important to them. I think that's an, mm-hmm. I think that's a very interesting narrative thread. That's not what the story does. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, um, kind of dipping into the light novels a little bit. Cause y'all know, I love to bring up my esoteric Fushigi Yugi knowledge. This um, is, this is they, why we love you. Well, they, well, they kind of, they kind of go this route with Noriko's, um, light novel because it's kind of, it takes place like right before they join the harem and um, they are in this like little village and the overarching plot doesn't really matter. So I'm not going to get super deep into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have no interest in joining uh, the harem. Like they don't know Jack about the emperor. They don't care. Um, they meet um, while they're um, spending time in this village with like some distant relatives. Um, they meet this uh, girl who they end up um, having like a really like, it's like a rivalry and then they end up becoming like, like very close. Mm-hmm. And uh, the girl dies because Fushigi Yugi is littered with, dead women um uh but but this this girl that they met um had this uh backstory where hotahori like as a child had like uh, helped her out and so she wanted to meet him and like thank him for that and and so she was she wanted to be part of his harem so when she dies noriko has this um has this feeling like oh, i'll do that in your place and th- so there's there's definitely this this kind of ongoing arc with noriko of like kind of um taking on the characteristics or the, the desires of the, these important women surrounding them. Um, but in the light novel, one of the good things is they get to the palace, they meet Hotohori and they um, fall in love with him for real. Mm-hmm. They fall in love with Hotohori for real. So it's not just like a, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to pretend to be gay for this other person. It's like, no, I, I initially came here for this person, but, it, but I do have these feelings. Um, they, they are, uh, drawn to the fact that Hotori is, seems kind and lonely, and we've talked about how Hotori is trash. Right, uh, like Noriko. <laughs> Noriko, you Noriko may better. not have the best of taste in men, but um, I mean, they were vulnerable. Oh. Mm-hmm. They they want to. Well, I, I mean, think, they are a fixer. They want to fix people. Yeah, it's and I true. think well, I it's think true. Noriko recognized kind of a shared uh, kind of sense of isolation and loneliness in Hotori that they themselves feel, um, and I think that's sort of where that where that that bond and that wanting to be a part of to help them 
came from. Um, so anyway, point of that story is that narrative of, again, of, of, a, of a queer person not knowing how to express that in a society where you wouldn't necessarily have um, access to um, an understanding of, of um, you know, being trans or being, uh, being gay or anything like that. Um, I think that that could be very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I think it sucks that the, the, the anime does not do that. Um, yeah, the anime doesn't seem to know what it wants to do. Sorry, Vrygo. No, no, uh, it's just well, like that idea of that Noriko doesn't have their own identity outside of mm -hmm. helping other people, doing what other people want for them, is very mm -hmm. interesting. Um, I yeah. wish it had gone into that. Yeah, and and it feels like it almost wants to because there's this sense at the end of like, well, this is the person I want to be. This is who I want to be. Mm -hmm. Is is with you guys, um, but I don't think really it's handled good very well. Show hiding somewhere in Fushigi Yugi. Mm -hmm. There's a really good show hiding in there. Crunchyroll, give me 39 episodes and a lot of money, <laughs> and I'll fix it for you. I'll do the remake. Right. I really want to. Well, and, and um, the thing, the where I and um and also like that that one line in isolation that makes me really mad in context, like that the line of that Noriko wasn't a man or a woman; they they were just Noriko. That's nice mm. in theory mm. by itself, but then you put it into the context of. No, fuck you. You were shitty to them for 32 episodes in varying ways. Fuck you. <laughs> and I'd be more inclined to like recommend like to to categorize Noriko as yes, the 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 anime and the manga handle them poorly, but there is still some interesting ideas you could salvage out of this character if they didn't die. Like the fact that they they do all this and then Noriko dies makes it impossible to be like, yes, invest your heart and soul in this character because you're going to see your representation dead again. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I was not aware of the 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 barrier gaze trope at the age of thirteen. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I didn't. I did not. I and and in I think in a universe where that isn't a trope, again, this is this is a very good noble. This isn't this isn't mm -hmm. Noriko doesn't die because society kills them. Like society destroys them for being queer. Noriko doesn't die because as punishment for being queer. Mm -hmm. um, it's out in again you can't you can't separate things from context so i don't even know why i'm talking about this mm -hmm. um but i mean there's room for for to talk about it with some nuance like um yes this exists in this context but also you know this is it, it's just a case of sometimes the context is, is bigger than what you wanted to do with a story yeah and and in this you case you can see where it's going for but mm -hmm. This is like the context changes that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think there's room for for both. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like out of the con outside of the context of bury your gaze, then it's just a really powerful episode. But it's also, and I don't think you know, bury your gaze was something that you know anyone had in mind when they worked on this episode. Uh, Song of Wind and Trees, the Ur Dead Gaze manga. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that it didn't exist at the time, but like, um, you know, it, it's easy to. And like, I'm saying this because I have confession. I have written a story that culminated in sad dead gaze. Mm -hmm. Like, and I wasn't thinking about it as, like, a barrier gaze thing. I was thinking about, like, I'm going to write this tragedy, and, like, from the outset, like, this is going to be a sad romance, and then deciding to make both of the characters male because of reasons. Mm -hmm. Like, 
you know, you can do it without really having that context in mind, um, you know, and just thinking of it as like, you know, something that's tragic, but at the same time, that context exists. Right. And, and I, for, I, and what you meant and what you meant doesn't, you know, it does and does not matter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's one of the well, like I've I've had I've enjoyed stories that included a um, I I enjoy the adventure zone and I felt that when it had some dead gaze, which it does, spoilers, it, it built it up very well in a way that was narratively justified. I think Fushigi is something different where it not only had dead gays who were, you know, gays incidentally and then died. Um, and then that still played into a larger harmful trope. Um, Noriko might not die directly because they're queer, but they're treated so badly because they're queer, and then they die nobly and speaking masculinely. Like, their brave moment is them really committing to this masculine presentation, and that and that is what I think, in some ways, the framing uh, with the framing adds nobility to their death. Like, yes, it's a great noble death episode in isolation, but it's it can't exist in isolation. It's part of a series. Yeah, yeah, it's no, true. No, you're right. Because, yeah, I do. I want to give that episode credit. It's very well done. I, and I like a lot of the reactions of the rest of the cast. And there are some good lines that if they didn't have the context of the rest of the series around it, I'd be like, yeah, cool. But I can't. Like, yeah. boy, I'm going to have a harder time being nice to this series going forward. Oh, and the next six episodes are a nightmare. Yeah, um, we've now entered the time where I have no, I no longer know what's going on. So I'm, I'm totally with a newbie viewer. Yeah, to give you an idea, um, so uh, clearly, clearly, I love this show too much, mm-hmm. um, and I uh, have seen it like five to six times. I think this is mm-hmm. number six. Um, I've only <laughs> seen the next. I've only seen the next six episodes, maybe three of those times. I skip them when I watch the show. Um, we're gonna get through it, and if our listeners, guys, if you don't, if you get started and you're like, nope, um, we'll walk you through it, and then you can yeah. join us we'll on the other you side. When it's good again. Um, we'll 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 pull you through this. Um, it's it's twelve rough episodes, and um, this this arc that we had here, um, I mean, as as we've talked about, has has a lot of bad in it. I think there's, I think there is some good mixed in with that. Um, mm-hmm. The 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 six after that, there's there's less of that. <laughs> Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, this has been, it's a rough stretch. Um, because they keep, it feels like they keep trying to kind of like explain and then backtrack and then Mm -hmm. go, and then go, oh, well, Noriko's really a man. And then like, no, Noriko's both. And I, it, it's such a fucking mess. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's hurtful. You're right. Um, and it's not, I, um, I, I am sort of interested in the fact that, uh, you know the the manga translation, uh, they use uh, he and him for for Noriko, right? Yeah. No, the manga uses she throughout all of this. Really? It, okay, because yeah. I was talking and with the, um, um, one of our contributors who mentioned um, an interview with the the tr- uh, I think a translator where where they regretted like not using um, she and her. Maybe they were talking um, about the dub. So um, what it was was they used he for most of the series, mm-hmm. but they they switched to she for this storyline mm-hmm. um and the translator wrote a whole column in the back of the volume about how this is um you know because this was the time when it took like there was like two two uh 
two chapters being translated a month for a while because it was running in a magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you know, things changed during the course of the pub, uh, publication and the public perceptions of things changed and people's knowledge about things changed. And this was honestly, like, one of my first exposures to this idea that, like, mm-hmm. um, you refer to trans people by the... Um, by the pronouns they want, like, you know, and saying that's like Noriko lived as a woman, exp- you know, referred to themselves as a woman for this entire series, and we're gonna respect that in their, you know, in the Japanese they don't have the pronouns, but since we can't do that in English, we're gonna choose to respect her um, in her final moments by using female pronouns and the other we're going to have that those characters do that um and honestly that was i remember reading that so clearly because that was really like you know the the first time that i had it that laid out for me Mm. um because it was you know like it, it, I was not like hateful, but I was a little bit ignorant. Sure. At the time. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I I don't think especially younger people know how far and how fast um, trans activism has come in the last five years alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, you, like until fairly recently, it was more or less a curiosity. Yeah. To put it in perspective for you guys, um, it there was a short. Uh, the press has gone under, but in. Sh- 2014 um, I published a, a short story in an anthology and my author bio used gendered pronouns because I didn't think you could do that in a professional context mm-hmm. that was three years ago yeah. yeah so yeah like that was honestly a fairly formative experience for me um, that yeah was, um, I yeah I have I have kind of I mean again as 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 much of a fucking mess as a lot of this is um I I kind of had that same that that line you brought up Vry about um wasn't a man or a woman Noriko was just Noriko was kind of a revelation for me mm-hmm. that you could just be yourself mm-hmm. and and fuck labels um and I I that that has stu- that stuck with me like a lot um like there were times in high school where it would be like hi i'm i'm d please don't treat me like a girl that's weird mm. um and and i don't i don't know how to yeah it's 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 complicated um but it was just that that idea that like um especially in the early aughts where there was very much that sense of like um what it what like girls were like this and guys were like this and, oh, yeah. and those you know really those at that time. those social uh constructs around it and so then you had this character who was kind of existing in this in this own in this kind of gray area and this idea of like they were themselves they were they were their name and i was like yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's that's that that right there mm-hmm. that's good that's that's what i like um and you know what the um it to be brief to briefly give that some credit this is so much um more nuanced and better than what's what's fucking up persona 4 you didn't think i was coming for you but i was coming for you (laughs) i was waiting the surprise persona 4 jump get him i don't have any emotional connection to this get him right (laughs) um well the brief thing about persona 4 is it thought it was doing a feminist thing but it co-opted the language of trans like of of the trans experience to do a spooky gotcha and i fucking hate it Mm. 
Like, it wanted to do a thing about a woman in a male-dominated workforce, but it definitely co-opted. She thinks she wants to be a man and has to do that to do this, and I hate it. I hate it, because Mm -hmm. I thought I had a cool gender non-conforming or trans dude anime Mm -hmm. character. I hate it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that would be... It's, again, it's frustrating. There's so much in this this series that is is a mess, and it's, it's, again, reconciling that how much of it has not aged well and how much of it was, was not good at the time, probably for um, a lot of people mm-hmm. um, uh, with, with nevertheless kind of having this, this um, impact, I guess is, yeah. is difficult. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to try to like mitigate it or minimize it because I don't think we should. I think it deserves to get dragged. Um, yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I'm glad that you talked about that um, like on Twitter, especially where I, um, and and like I said, the the fact that they die, pr- like, would can like I would warn trans people off of watching this show, in a way that I wouldn't if they lived. And like the writing just stumbled, a lot around this issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's obviously something that has been, you know, very powerful for all of us in some way or another, and like like really did like affect like like affect us personally in some way or another mm-hmm. in both good and, and bad ways like you know it's not i don't think it can simply be boiled down to like you know this is bad mm. i mean there's a lot of stuff that can be boiled down to this is bad but yeah no i see what you mean like in you know this is in spite of it all noriko there, is still a character i love sorry go on yeah Noriko is a character that we all love. Noriko is a character that uh, affected us deeply, and their story affected us deeply, and made impressions on us um, when we were growing up. And I'm honestly getting like a little like fucked up right now because I'm really sad and I'm gonna miss them for the rest of the series, <laughs> even though I can go back and watch those episodes anytime. It's just not, like, it's not the They're same. They're just characters in a book, you guys. Shut up. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yugi, you will feel an emotion. You will have an emotion. We will um, have an emotion. We were... I'm having a lot of emotions right now. Yeah, I've been, it's, I've honestly been, it's been kind of, I've been kind of a mess the past couple of days, like, just thinking about talking about all of this, um, because I think mm-hmm. at a certain point it gets, it is, it is inevitably going to get very personal, and that can be very difficult, um, especially when, when those personal reactions can be very different. Yeah, it's, 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 this has been a rough one, mm-hmm. I think, I think for all of us, a little bit, um, but we've, we've gone over an hour, and I don't, I think at this point we're all just having emotions. Yeah, I, yeah. I think, uh, so next week w- it will just be, um, I think, uh, salt with no emotions, only anger. Oh, yeah. Next week, next much. week I'm going to get drunk because that's the only <laughs> way I can get through these episodes that we're about to get to. Um, I'm going to watch them drunk and then I, then I need to be in the same mindset for the podcast, so. <laughs> Should we do like an even evening recording for that that might not be a bad plan, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but just um, just really get that salt going. Uh, I'll get a bottle of wine. I'll join you. Hooray. Okay, good. Um, yeah, and listeners, I'm not. I am not kidding. Like we, I'm, really, we should have had this. We should have had this note at the end of the last podcast. Um, this twelve, this twelve episode stretch is rough, and when we get to the end of it, we are going to go back to a more kind of. Um, 
more serious but still kind of a fun adventure fantasy story, um, we will come out the other side. Um, but if you start to watch this next stretch and you're like, nope, can't do it. This isn't no, I don't blame you. I don't, I will not judge you. Come to us. We will give you a quick recap, let you know what happened. And then you can just pick up at the end of them. Um, I'm, I'm, we're willing to do that for you. Our, our dear, dear listeners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really unfortunate that like I chose this time to write a whole bunch about how like Fushigi Yuki still holds a lot of power. Because we're getting to the part where it's, like, just unforgivably bad. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So we have that to look forward to. Uh, <laughs> Yay. Um, Yay. So the next run of episodes is, I believe, six. I believe we are doing six episodes next time. Yeah, I have it starred here. It is 35 through 40. And in the meantime, I guess that that's about us ready to wrap up, huh? Yeah, uh, take us take us out of this uh, this whirlpool of feelings. All right, I'll lead us back to safety. Uh, so, if you liked this podcast, you can always support us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/AnimeFeminist. Uh, a dollar a month really does help. Uh, it helps us pay our editor for the podcasts, which we can get to you weekly now. It helps us pay our contributors a fair amount. Uh, it helps us pay our editors. Uh, so we, it might not seem like a lot, but it really does help. You know, 10 people giving a dollar means more than one person giving 10, if you follow me. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Anime Feminist, on Facebook at Anime Femme. And we always, if, by the way, if you would like to pitch to us, we're always open for pitches at, um, on anime or particularly on manga. We would love to hear from you guys. And I think that's it. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me for this very rough, rough run of episodes. <laughs> <laughs>